Welcome to the Podcast Connector. Each week, we'll bring you behind-the-scenes tips on all things entrepreneurship, spreading your message, and the podcasting space. Plus, we will connect you with some amazing people in health, spirituality, entrepreneurship, and personal development. Let's dive in. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. Christina here, and today I have an incredible guest to share with you all. Today, I am chatting with Michael Hughes, who is the founder of Gymnazo, a seven-figure functional training facility on the central coast of California that focuses on integrating restoration with performance. Michael is truly a pioneer in the fitness space and as someone who loves all things health, nutrition, fitness, I was just so excited to learn more from him and really learn about the philosophy behind how he trains his clients and a little bit about his background. After becoming a fellow of applied functional science, Michael integrated physical therapy directly into his programming for group coaching, something that had never been done before in the fitness industry. And through that, he realized the power of using fitness as a vehicle for recovery, which led him to implementing a blend of performance and restoration training that dramatically increased his lifetime client value. Michael is really passionate about functional training and what that really means and looks like. And he's building his facility to revolutionize how we train everyone at all ages to really promote vitality and to heal movement dysfunctions that hold us back from feeling our best. There were so many things that came up in this interview that really made me think about movement differently and my definition of functional fitness before what I thought of when I thought of functional fitness. I mean, he, he really kind of flipped that around for me. So if you are interested in really taking care of your body and training functionally in a way that's actually going to help you do what you want to do and, you know, hit the goals that you have, you know, with your fitness, then you're going to love this episode. And we also talk a lot about the business side, his journey as an entrepreneur. And if you are a trainer and you are looking to really expand your knowledge base, you want to learn more about some of the approaches that Michael discusses and also about, you know, building and scaling your business. He also has offers for that as well. You can head to gymnazoedu.com, so G-Y-M-N-A-Z-O-E-D-U.com to learn more about training for uh, trainers and coaches. And you can head to gymnazo.com to uh, check out the facility, their approach, their on-demand programs for functional fitness training. That's G-Y-M-N-A-Z-O.com. I have talked to a lot of very experienced trainers who are really the best of the best in the industry, whose names a lot of you have probably heard before. And Michael has such a unique perspective and is just such a wealth of knowledge. And I've really never heard somebody speak about these concepts at all and also in this way before. So I'm really excited for you all to hear this and really grateful that Michael came on the show. So without further ado, enjoy this conversation with Michael Hughes. All right. So before we started recording, you're mentioning that your philosophy is really different with Gymnazo and how you guys approach fitness. Can you speak more to what's different about the way you approach it? Yeah. So in the terms of Gymnazo, we haven't really created anything, you know, and I like to say most people in fitness, uh, actually most, everyone in fitness, we don't create anything. We reinvent what's already there. You know, there's nothing to do underneath the sun. And when we talk about fitness, a lot of it's been really focused around physique, how someone looks. Like that's how kind of like Arnold Schwarzenegger really made this thing popular. He's not the only one by any means. 
you know, Jane Fonda really made this thing popular, you know, but this physique mindset of I need a fitness is looking good. You look at all the big box gyms out there, how are they designed to make you look better? You got cardio alley, you got the weights in front of the mirrors, you got the machines, all those things are focusing on a piece of the body for the most part. Well, here comes this boutique craze in early 2000s, CrossFit, da da da. You start to realize, wait a minute, this thing's called functionality. And sports have always been training that way. Training for sport has always been that way, but the actual sport has been, not the training and conditioning. So when I trained for football, I did bench, clean, squat, and some auxiliary bicep curls because I wanted to look good. Did that make me better on, on the field? Well, it did, but how much? And that's the big mindset shift that we're talking about. So when we're talking about physics, you know, we got gravity pushing down on us. You know, we call that eight dimension in a sense. We have ground pushing back on us and we have mass and momentum. We have all these things that Einstein and Newton really have not discovered. Oh, they discovered, they didn't invent them. So when we look at movement, it's like, wait a minute, are we pushing ourselves just to make ourselves look better, run faster, get stronger? And what's the point of that? And all things come to a, a breaking point. All things end. Everything has an end point. So if we're trying to push ourselves as hard as we can in fitness, then at what point does our body say, mm, that's about it? So where does sustainability come into it? Where does restoration come into it? So what Gymnasio has done is blended the physical therapeutics and performance fitness training into one versus going to go see a physical therapist, going to go see an acupuncturist, going to go see a massage therapist, and then you have your trainer who just crushes you mm. and just playing those together. So we're blending this mindset that we really, if, if we want to be phenomenal, if we want to be a great moving machine, then we have to produce that result. And so that means the workout has to be multi-dimensionally, what we would call three-dimensionally balanced. And so, and this is the physical space, right? And this is the mm -hmm. physical space, sagittal plane <laughs> forward and back. We call that the, we call that, let's call that the x-axis, mm -hmm. you know, y-axis left and right, even though it's not, it's up and down. But, and then our z-axis, our, ro our rotational plane. So our, all of the human body can move in those three planes of motion. So therefore every single tissue can, soft tissue, connective, tissue, muscle, tissue, and every single bone can, every single joint can, not all equally. That's very important. So if we don't train those ways, then we're essentially missing out on the potential that the human body has and therefore overtraining on other aspects. And I use this analogy often. If I don't rotate my car's tires, then I'm going to lessen the length of life that they have. So yeah. if we only do sagittal plane movement patterns, our joints and our connective tissue will get worn faster, quicker, more aggressively in those areas. So that's like the cornerstone of our physics, right? We have a bio biological and then a behavioral kind of explanation to do. But from the physics standpoint is we have to move and train the same way. If we move in all ways outside of our facility, we have to train all ways. And therefore, we have to restore all ways, stretch all ways, strengthen all ways, lengthen all, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that's, yeah. that's the physics kind of behind it all. Well, it makes a lot of sense. And what I'm thinking about as you're talking is, I mean, when we think about the way that most people train now, it's basically to make up for the fact that we're so inactive and sedentary yeah. most of the time. And a lot of this would already be accounted for, you know, caveman days when you're already walking, you're already sprinting when you need to run away. Like it's already accounted for and you just knew, oh, I need to rest. And now it's gotten to the point where we're so disconnected from our bodies in a way that it's like, okay, I don't even know what I need. I'm sedentary all the time. So I'm going to train. And then I don't even know what the point is that I've overtrained. And I think for a lot of people, they, they have no idea when they've overtrained. And I know for me, I, I hit a point of extreme burnout. I couldn't exercise for like a year after overtraining so intensely when I was in college. And during that time, it was like, I was just running 
on adrenaline and I had no idea I was overtraining. And I had some of my friends be like, I feel like this is like a lot. And I was like, I feel great. And it was only when I <laughs> stopped. I <laughs> yeah. It was only when I totally stopped. And when my hormones were completely messed up that I realized, oh, whoa, but how come I didn't realize in the moment, you know, and now I'm much more in, in tune with, with my body, but I would love for you to speak more, more to this overtraining aspect, because I feel like it's maybe not as common for the mainstream, but for the group of people that do exercise regularly, I feel like it's a really common thing. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of phrases that, that we can use. We use movement awareness, right? You talk about you, you, you lacked awareness. Me too. I lacked awareness in what was even possible. I was only thinking, and I'm going to say this in a very, very fun, fun way. I was only thinking in 1D. And what I mean by that, all my movements were forward and backwards. And we really say that. That's what I love mm -hmm. your podcast and, and how this all works, right? <laughs> we were 1D in it, you know, sagittal plane, forward and back and up and down. You can literally take CrossFit's movements, the 50 that they really call their staple, and they're all in the, in the 1D. All of them. Every single one of them. Now, there are more that they can do. I get it. But they're standard movements. You look at the CrossFit Games. Not picking on them by any means. Not picking on them. Just, you know, that's the evolution that we've gone. So we're in a new evolution now. So in the overtraining concept is that we need to understand that, like, our hip really is a phenomenal rotator. Our thoracic spine is designed for massive amounts of rotation massive amounts. And if we don't feed it, you see that person walking real stiff shouldered, then therefore a compensation has to happen from something else. And the body's pretty good at it. It's really awesome. Our body can, is, a, is a beast. We can do a lot of things for a long time, but it's really chewing away at some, something else. So if I'm a big runner, you know, as I say, and all I do is run, well, you're training your system, not only your physicality, but your neurological system your proprioceptors, fancy word for movement nerves, call it muscle memory if you want to, to do something very, very good, very, very well, excuse me. So therefore, you try to do something different and your body says, I'm not trained for that. I'm not designed for that. Nor do I have the awareness or the capability to try to maybe not fall on, on, on ice. I was up in Tahoe or the snow for the time. And your body therefore has a, a greater potential for injury, but also lack of performance. So you talk about these big mainstream fitness places and there's this one place out there I forget the name, but they really do rowing and running every single time. Orange, I don't know, I forget the name. Anyways, two-thirds <laughs> of, two of the workout is the same exact biomechanical pattern. Okay, they're going to be really good at running and rowing, but to what point? Does it now peak and then start to degrade? And that's where we kind of start to look at. It's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. We really need to understand that there needs to be a, a relative balance that is not being reached. And we're really burning our own industry out. We're taking down our own clients, our own paying customers, we're ruining them. But the fitness industry hasn't really realized it that much because most people don't last that long anyways. Because it's tough to take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. It's tough to make the, the, the time to do it, to pay for that trainer to make it happen. So now, whereas we have the biggest baby boom generation or the, you know, our older generation, the biggest it's ever been, they're the people who have the disposable income, they care about their health and their mentality, but also we have this trailing generation coming called the millennials who also care about their health and the mentality. Gen Xers, well, I'm sorry, they're, <laughs> they're not there yet. The millennials there. So we have this big like awareness um, center coming that if we, don't, if we don't match it, then we're just going to repeat history. I'm going to stay in the same frequency dimension that we've been at. So mm -hmm. we're missing the technological evolution that's been happening in movement. And it's just this, it's just mindset. It's just understanding, it's knowledge. And the trainer is the forefront of yeah. that entire process. Well, it reminds me of, I remember like the time when I probably looked the best with my physique, I was mm -hmm. training very much like bodybuilder style. Yeah. And I realized I could 
work out for a really long time. I was doing way too much volume and I was really good at like hit workouts. And then in life, I would get really tired easily. And I realized, wow, I'm really good at lifting a weight and I can't do anything right. else. And right. I'm really immobile and I actually can't apply this to my daily life. And I'm super stiff and it, you know, it just wasn't good. And then I'm thinking about what you're, you know, referencing these classes that I'm familiar with. And my question is with so many trainers and people who understand the body and how it works, why are there so many things set up out there that are basically designed to overtrain someone or, or only, or get them really good at just one thing. Like I, for me, just like, I just am not connecting how so many people can understand the body and that, you know, what's being put out there so often are things that just make you really good at one thing or kind of are designed to, if you followed it consistently, you, you would be overtraining. Yeah. So this is where I, ha I hate to say this, but this is say where it. my bachelor's of, of my bachelor's <laughs> of kinesiology, I don't use the word failed me. Failed, failed is, 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 but really lacked at all. And a lot of my friends who have masters in kinesiology, they don't have masters in movement. They have masters in how to do journals and studies and to try to find the length arm and the rotational axis and try to find your VO2 max. I'm just making up terms, right? But like, they're not studying movement. And unfortunately, a lot of my physical therapy friends, even colleagues of mine, physical therapy doesn't teach that. They teach protocol. They teach, again, studies. This is what 500 individuals in the United States if you gave them these drills for the rotator cuff, this is the bell curve of how the results. You know, so we're going we're gonna to make a protocol taught in physical therapy on how to teach physical therapists to train a rotator cuff injury. Well, what about the other part of the bell curve? What about those other thousands and millions of people that don't fit into that peak bell, bell curve? What do you do for them? Oh, it's called problem solving. It's called thinking for yourself. It's about having, I'm going to mean this, I'm not just trying to say that because it's you, an intuition about what's going on based on other factors that you feel, sense, see, communicate with. So it's about problem solving. So unfortunately, and I hate to say it like this because I, I really mean the most of it, our scholastic system is not teaching movement. They're teaching protocol. They're teaching fix the, fix the symptom, not the cause. Mm -hmm. So even those highly trained I have all these names. I'm, I'm, they're still missing the boat. And why am I so special? Because someone taught me who was a black sheep. I said, wait a minute, we're missing dimension two and dimension three, frontal plane and transverse plane, but we're missing the biggest part is how it literally links together. How your right toe, if jacked up, will cause a dysfunction in your right hand. Whoa. Maybe very small, maybe very small, but if you're a pitcher, and your right-handed thrower, and you have an ingrown toenail on that left foot, I guarantee you're going to throw the ball differently. I guarantee you. That's Whoa. Is that like, but, is that like a, can you connect that back to like Chinese medicine or like, uh, like well, so this is not necessarily in meridians, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, I want, this is, uh, forgive me for messing this up. This is much more logic brain in mm -hmm. a sense. Yeah. So it's much more logical, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to dive in there a little bit. So I'm speaking to you more personally, I'm much more logic. My wife's not. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> so this is very much logic in a sense. So I can um, hang. When, Don't worry about yeah. it. Oh, I, I, I totally get you. I totally get you. So when you, when you're throwing a baseball down a mound, even on flat, if you're a softball pitcher, you land, if you're right-handed thrower, you land on your left foot. That's your first brake pedal. That's your decelerator. And your big toe is actually for deceleration, not for acceleration. Meaning when you walk, you shouldn't push off your big toe. It's not what, that causes that causes bunions and all kinds of stuff. You know, it's not the most efficient way to walk. You should actually you know, push, push off your small four four toes, relatively speaking. Anyways, if you land and there's a little bit of pain, in everybody's thinking, toe, "Do I walk wrong?" I know, yeah, I know. So I'm not trying to get want to freak people out. Small doses. 
<laughs> so if you land on your on your right foot, your left foot when you throw, and there's a little bit of pain in that big toe, what are you gonna do instinctively? You're gonna roll off of it. So instead of landing in supination, which is a good spring load, it's the absorption of the arch, which is designed, that's why it's an arch, it absorbs that, like a leaf spring in a car, or whatever the case is. If you go more supination, it's more rigid, boom because the foot's locked up in that supination or kind of spot. So if that's more of an impact, that's gonna shove to the next joint, the ankle. And once that tissue of that joint, calf, soleus, if that gets rigid, that gets tight after thousands and thousands of landings, it jumps to the next joint, the knee. The knee's not designed to take it, so the muscles of the leg take it. And that hits out to the IT band, the lateral hamstring, the gluteus maximus, gluteus minimus, da da da. And that gets too tight. Well, then where's the chain? And now you gotta feel this. You gotta follow me. Like it's a river going down a mountain. A river always mm -hmm. follows the path of least resistance. Body is this, lives in the same physical world. We always follow the path of least resistance. Hopefully it's a good path. If it's not, then it's a, it, it's a bad thing. So then it goes left glute, but then it actually goes across the body diagonally to the right latissimus dorsi. That decelerates the throw. And if that doesn't work very, very well, then it's gonna go to the rotator cuff, the posterior shoulder. So that's why you get a lot of these posterior rotator cuff tears and even these Tommy John surgeries because the decelerations happen through the elbow, not mm -hmm. through the left foot. Wow, okay, so is there, <laughs> I'm thinking I tore my rotator cuff a long time ago and I literally did nothing about it. And I'm like, is this screwing me up in a million ways? But my real question no. is, what is the, is there, are there common examples of this? Like for the average person, like maybe they're not a pitcher on a baseball team, but like a yeah. place, like what, what's a common example you see that showing up for that yeah, everyday is, person? This is perfect. So, so my job is more of a movement therapist to, to, to make up a term. There's no, you know, there's no professional mm -hmm. license for that one. But is, let's say you're going to um, pick up your toothbrush. Dang it, fell on the ground. It's like one of the worst things that can happen to you, right? It's on the ground. Dang it. Uh, do I get a new one? <laughs> do I just wash it off? You know, I got soap on my toothbrush now. So you go down to pick that thing up. More than likely, you're going to pick it up with your dominant hand. And this, let's say that fell next to your left foot and you're right-handed. So you're going to take your right hand and literally cross-body rotate to pick up lower back goes, ah, oh, man, I did some heavy deads the other day. I was feeling sharp. Deadlifts really, really strengthen the hamstrings, the glutes, you know, things like that. You know, so they get really lengthened and shortened. They get, when you get stronger, they get tighter. It just, it has to happen. That's the only way, way, way it works. Stronger equals tighter unless you lengthen it. So those hamstrings are now in that regrowth stage and they're really, really tight. I had a client with this literally this morning, tight hamstrings. So if the hamstrings don't lengthen, then what's the next joint that has to lengthen? Well, that'd be the hip joint. Well, the hip joint's not moving because the hamstring connects literally to the hip. So they got the sacrum, L5, L4. They're not designed to move too much. Some, but not too much. So if it overmoves, it now encroaches on a nerve. What's that nerve do? It sends a signal, says, you idiot, stop, or I'm gonna really tear myself. It therefore sends, sends the muscle back. If I'm getting too much detail, stop me. Oh, that, like that, sends the muscle, that sends the signal back to the muscles, says spasm, lock up which is really a protective mechanism. The body's protecting itself from screwing up its biggest ethernet cord in the body. And it says, stop doing this. You just actually, think, whenever, whenever you throw out your lower back, you should thank your, your body for not making it worse, even though mm -hmm. that's not what we feel. So instead of saying, let's make your core stronger, let's stretch out your lower back, let's massage your lower back, let's e-stem your lower back, let's acupuncture your lower back, which are not all, they're not bad things, but are they gonna fix the problem? No, the problem is the tight hamstrings, the tight calf, that's the problem. So we, we, mm -hmm. we soft tissue, we stretch, we strengthen, lengthen, strengthen. If the hamstrings, they go do that same reach again, no lower back pain. Wow. 
we sought the problem, yeah. not the symptom. I'm going to go one more analogy. You got a drip in, in your house. I hope not. There's a drip right there. You put a bucket right there. Oh, I fixed the problem. No, no, you just wrapped it in a, uh, in a knee brace. Mm -hmm. Oh, let me just patch the ceiling. You just did some e, some e stem and some ultrasound. No, no, it could be on the rafter. It could be way, you know, you got to follow where the water goes. Mm -hmm. And that's what we do with movement. And that's what trainers aren't educated to do. They want to do it. Gosh, they want to do it. They're not educated to do it. And traditional, I would just say that appropriately, traditional physical therapy isn't taught to do that either. They're taught to learn a system, a protocol, to make it as fast as possible to mill people through an insurance-led system, not a problem-solving system. That's not all people, but that's the general concept. Sounds familiar. I know about that. Yeah, doesn't it, right? Doesn't, <laughs> yeah. Like, doesn't that, like, that, that, is that yeah. a, a prolific problem through most it of is. humanity? It is. Yeah. It is. <laughs> it makes me feel like most professional athletes, just athletes in general, are. it's just all symptom management. Like. You know, I think about the way it's like you train this way and then you ice this and then you get this massage. And from what you're saying, it's like you're never actually getting to the root of no, the problem. Never, never. So if somebody's listening. Well, like, not never, but. You know. Yeah. From with that approach. Yeah. So how did you learn this or figure this out? Because I'm sure people are listening and they're thinking, how would I get trained in that? How would I actually learn to get to the root of the problem? So I'm going to go. I'm going to go selfless. I'm going to go self selfish. Mm -hmm. Selfless is um, I had a mentor. I, I got a coach, right? It's what you and I talk about. You want to get somewhere faster? Hire a coach. Mm -hmm. And this coach was named Gary Gray. And Gary Gray is not the only guy with this mindset, but he packaged it very, very well. He says, wait a minute. I think we're thinking he's a physical therapist in Adrian, Michigan. He started an institute called the Gray Institute. And he says, I think we're thinking about this one a little bit too limited. And uh, call him blessed. Call him, call him whatever you want to call him. But he said, I think something's off. Call him an Elon Musk, in, in a sense, a principle-based thinker. What I like about Elon Musk, why I love him so much as a thinker, is his principles first, truths first. And the cool thing about physics, there's it's undeniable truths. If I drop a pen, it's going to drop every time. Gravity, we know, is there. It's still a theory by definition, but anyway, you know, it's always going to happen. So body moves in three three planes, not arguable. The body follows the path of least, least resistance. That's nature, not arguable. Our muscles load in oblique angles, not arguable. They don't travel in straight lines. Our hamstring starts in the center and then goes and curves around and curves around. So if it curves around, it's going to turn the knee more so or also than just flex the knee. In any case, so he put together this. He's like, I think it's, I think something's different. He made a fellowship, which is a fancy way for an unaccredited master's degree and says, who wants to learn? And here's me failed, didn't get into physical therapy school because I just don't think standardized. I just, I don't, I'm not a standardized test taker. It took me a long time to say this. I'm very smart, but not the way school teaches smart. And so I learned that way. I learned through hands-on applied, very apprenticeship style. What I did, here's my selfish part. I just conveyed from physical therapy to fitness. So I made that break and pushed it into fitness and made a product out of it. And now we're coaching coaches instead of our facility, which I'm in right now, we're not saying, wait a minute, I think other trainers should know a piece of what Gary taught me. And so now we're in partnership in a sense to say, hey, we're going to take some of your awesome IP and just go to coaches. So we have a multidimensional movement coach, mm -hmm. MDMC platform that says, here's how you apply it for fitness. Because mm. we're not physical therapists, but we act like it at times. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I'm sure a lot of people are going to be really interested yeah. in that. And how did you originally get connected with Gary? Like, how did you find him? Um, I was working out at my at my big box gym, I was a trainer at, right? Cardio Alley and 
weightlifter looking in, in the mirror, mm-hmm. and there's this person doing this crazy looking warm up. <laughs> like it was three dimensional lunges and arm swings, is what it was. Forward lunge, backward lunge, lateral lunge, crossover lateral lunge, rotational lunge, same side, opposite side rotational lunge, opposite side. Now, this is just words for a podcast, but, and it was a warm up. It was like, it was like, what are you doing here? Like, go to the circus. <laughs> <laughs> But it was foreign, so therefore I immediately judged it as bad. But our power lifter, you know, every gym has a token power lifter. You know, he was like, yeah, this trainer helps me clean up my SI joint, you know, lower back whenever it gets funky. I'm like, what trainer knows how to do that? What trainer? A physical therapist, maybe, but what trainer? That lady over there. I'm like, crazy 3D mover over there? Like, you know, so... Uh, being a learner, someone, you know, I said, Hey, can I buy you coffee? And, and she told me about this Institute. I, and that was like, that's my PT school. That was that connection of someone who says something like, Hey, no disrespect for what's going on, but it's not enough. There's more, there's a higher, there's a higher frequency. There's mm-hmm. a higher level of thought out there that we need to absorb download and therefore apply to other people because we've got to share it. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and that's what we need, right? It's like, people are so I think afraid to break out of the box, do something different, but that's the right. only way that we're going to bring better things in is we have to innovate and, you know, honor, we can honor what we've learned, what we've been doing before, yeah. but that doesn't mean there aren't better ways to do it now. Right. It just takes oh. hard work, right? It takes hard work. You have to be yeah. able to think. It's really critical mm-hmm. thinking skills. Mm-hmm. 100%. Um, and, and, and questioning and saying, okay, if that's true, then let me test this, see if this is true. So we do a lot of body position. We do a movement assessment to see, okay, well, how does the ankle move? Well, how does the ankle actually move? You got to know that first. And then how does every single muscle, 800 and gosh, 36 of them, how do they all move? We have to know that. In all three planes of motion, that's a lot of possibilities. Yeah, you you got to know that. Do you have to memorize it? No, no way. You have to understand. Okay, if this is happening here, then this is happening here. Just as I talked about the big toe and the left foot, all the way to the right elbow. You have to know how it's all connected. So, in practice, for a client, like wh- what is this? What is this looking like to to do to change the way that you approach movement and fitness? And it's more in alignment with, with how you teach it. What is that actually looking like? Well, I guess the the truth is right. People don't like change. Don't move their cheese. So if you walk into our facility, a, the facility is going to look different. Uh, first and foremost, it's a big warehouse, 13,000 square feet turf. And we got squat racks, but that's about all, you know, like we don't have the traditional looking stuff. We have a lot of bags. Actually, you can see the stuff behind me. We got, got some vipers behind me. Yeah, you can just see in the corner some some fit fighters, you know, that's just a funky looking snake looking dumbbell, you know, Mm -hmm. but it kind of acts like my duffel bag versus a rigid dumbbell that doesn't do anything, just basically rigid. So and then we do group group training as our base level, because, again, the point is to trick in a very, very nice way people into fitness, right? Because how, why would I be doing that th- crazy three-dimensional warm-up move that, that Lisa was doing, the trainer who I learned, learned this from? So we, we really, this is now the psychological place. So what are the truths about psychology? People like to work out in groups. That's why team sports are the most popular. People like to have descriptions on why they're doing something. So it's a group workout, hit style, very, very similar. Cardio days, strength days, time clock, rep count, you know, so we really blend that in into it. But the moves, oh, that's where it changes. So we're going to do, instead of a, a basic military press, we're not going to press forward. We're going to press lateral. 
We're going to press crossover lateral. We're going to spin the trunk and reach behind us. You know, I know you can see that. Not everyone yeah. can. But, you know, we're going to move the shoulder in three dimensions. Not all the time. You know, obviously, we have a strategy on, on that, too. But then if someone gets dinged, which guarantee, it's guaranteed to happen. Fitness injury is not a if. It's a win. It's a win. Because no one's perfect. We all bring our own negative physical baggage to every workout. So instead of saying, oh, sorry, go see your physical therapist. Oh, sorry, I'll see you in a month. Go see your doctor. And then you go through that ring of the very inefficient sick care system, we say, wait a minute, it's just knee pain. Why can't I take care of that? Let's see why it's happening. Oh, it hurts when you push off the ground, but not the lunge on the way down, the lunge on the way up. Okay, cool. Let's go and book a one-on-one session now. Let's analyze why that's happening. And typically, <laughs> it's too tight of a hamstring. Honestly, typically, it's too tight of a hamstring. Not 100% of the time. Hamstring. That was for me. <laughs> I, I have knee pain whenever I do lunges. <laughs> yeah. So if you, uh, so real quick, then this is, this is a typical, this is not 100%. Uh -huh. Knee pain on the way down, it hurts on the way and then on the, as your body goes into the lunge. Too tight of a calf, too tight of a quad. It's when I, it's when I come out. Yeah, so too tight of a hamstring. Whoa. That would be the. I mean, without seeing you move, I would say yeah. go foam roll your hamstring, stretch out your hamstrings in three dimensions. By the way, not one D, but three D. You may not, you maybe not know how, how to do that, but I can show you. Mm -hmm. And if your hamstring doesn't get better in, in by fifty percent in like five minutes, I'd be surprised. I'd wow. Be surprised. Wait. So do you have videos and stuff of like? Like if somebody wants to see a sample of how, how you guys work out at the gym, like could they could they see that somewhere? Jump on YouTube. It's Gymnazo on YouTube. YouTube. Okay. Okay. Just started our channel. We've it's, it's been running for about a decade, but now we're now we're on the educational side of things. If you're looking to share your message with aligned audiences, then being a guest on podcasts is the best way to do it. It is a guaranteed way to get in front of a loyal audience instead of testing your luck with ads or organic reach, which is getting more and more difficult. This is exactly why we started the Podcast Connector, which is like a matchmaking service for podcasts and guests. Cold pitch emails often go to trash or are left unread, and most podcast hosts only take referrals for their shows nowadays. At the Podcast Connector, we have a huge roster of thousands of incredible podcasts. We get to know each of them individually and exactly what they're looking for and what their audience is like. And we match our guests with aligned shows. We're looking for people exactly like them. We love to make perfect matches. We take the cold pitching out of it. It's a win-win for everyone. So if you are looking to get booked on podcasts, just head to thepodcastconnector.com. That is where you can see all of our options for bookings. Let us take the stress off you focus on the things you really need to be focusing on your business. Let us work our magic and get you booked on perfectly aligned shows. Again, all of the information is at thepodcastconnector.com. So here's the thing. I think a lot of people, when they think about like functional fitness or mobility, a lot of people kind of, you know, put up their nose to it because they're like, well, I want to look good. That's right. like, it seems like a different goal. Is it really a different goal? Speak to that more. Everything is functional. I got to say that if someone say I don't do functional fitness, they're lying because they just don't know what functional fitness means. So if I'm a bodybuilder and I literally stand on stages with boxer shorts on all tanned up and oiled up, me doing an isolated bicep curl, that's super functional because it's, it's what I need. You know, so I, I really want to put this, there's, you know, we don't believe in dogma. We believe in an understanding of the methodologies. We want to see things as, as a truth. So we blend them together in the way that's truth, in a sense, or at least from our understanding of truth at our level of understanding. So functional is what functional needs to be. Now, if you're a UPS driver and you're doing a bunch of bodybuilding stuff, you're not helping your job. You're actually, you're actually taking away from the functional capacity of your job. Now, if you're picking up a box, literally directly in front of you with your feet square, 
in a deadlift fashion, good for you. You're totally dialed in for that. But how often does that really happen? Not very often. So when we do squats, we change our foot patterns, one foot in front of the other, the other foot in front of the other, feet wide, feet narrow. Here's where people get freaked out. Toed in feet and toed out feet. Toed in, you're going to screw up your knees. Why would I screw up my knees? I want someone to ask me, why would that screw up your knees? You tell me why that would happen, and then I'll, then I'll start chatting, chatting with you. It's like, oh, it's bad for the knees. Why is it bad for the knees? Oh, because it throws into more valgus. Why is valgus bad? Oh, because it puts the knee over the toe. Why is that bad? You, you get why enough, and you're going to yeah. get someone's level of understanding. And if you can remove ego, then you're going to be a good friend with them because you're going to learn together. But we have this ego that I'm right, look at me. It's like, no, 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 no. We're here to help other people. Let's put down our swords. Let's understand more. Because I was that bodybuilding guy. That was it. Seventh, eighth grade, high school, college, bodybuilding. All for it. Loved it. But Did you compete? I couldn't. Oh, no, 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 no. No, uh. no, no. This is just, this is all ego. <laughs> okay. Okay, there we <laughs> this go. This is all for me to look good. <laughs> but I couldn't play basketball very well. I couldn't uh -huh. snowboard very well. I couldn't wakeboard very well. Like, why couldn't I get that 360 on the wakeboard? I couldn't reach my hands behind my back to, to catch the handle. Why? Because my chest was freaking completely tight. Anyways, like, why is my elbow hurt every time I try to shovel dirt when I'm trying to move, do some yard work? Because mm -hmm. my, my connection, my tricep is too tight in, in its connection. Like all this tennis elbow, golf elbow, it all comes from something. We're just not asking the question of where or why it's happening. We don't think about what. Yeah. Well, I think, I just think a lot of people feel like, you know, they might work out in a certain way and feel like, oh, well, I'm getting results. And to me, like slowing down or doing more mobility or doing it another way, I'm not going to like look as good, you know? And I think it's like, mm -hmm. there are a lot of people that feel like they're, they're mutually exclusive when yeah. not necessarily, I'm assuming is your opinion. So talking to someone who really knows about diet nutrition, if you want to look good, you got to make that happen in the, in the kitchen. You know, I like the 80, 90, you know, 80, 90% is in the kitchen. You know, you look at Brad Pitt and Fight Club, the dude is jacked, but he's skinny. <laughs> the dude's mm -hmm. super skinny. You know, it doesn't take much to show your muscles. We all have six packs right now. Eight, actually, we have more than six packs. We have eight packs. Some even have 10 packs. Crazy <laughs> that sounds. It's just covered up. Uncover mm -hmm. it. And so I'm, I'm sorry to say it, you know, but like physique is not by how much weight you lift. It helps. But the real help is the food and the energy burn that you can create efficiently or inefficiently. So that's what I really mean. That's, you know, I, I really think we, we, we're just trying to solve the, it's easy to lift weights. It's hard to eat well. Mm. That's, do you that's guys, emotional. Do you guys do nutrition work? You know, our big focus is in movement. Uh -huh. um, we actually, uh, we do nutritional work, but we actually resource it out. Mm -hmm. Do I know a lot about nutrition? Yes. Yeah, so we actually have people that we part partner with that we'll send out to uh, that live locally that we do that. If someone's mm -hmm. going to ask a, a question in a workout, I'll, I'll dive into it with them. We like to call ourselves, we don't want to be a jack of all trades because then we're a master of none. We're going to be masters of movement. You come to Gymnasio, you do, you're, you're an MDMC coach, you know movement and how to be a great coach. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's where the fitness industry is kind of missing the point. We have to be good in all things. Mm, you can be, but I want to be, uh, so it just, that's more my opinion. That, yeah. Yeah. My, my question is, I think something that's really hard for people is balancing like how much volume, you know? And yeah, so how, how are you helping people like figure out like what's, what's the right volume for them where they're not, because it's easy to overdo it. I feel like. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, volumes are really big. It's a really important topic when you're talking about hypertrophy, when you're talking about strength building, like you better understand that, uh, that at a big, big level. But when you're talking about functional full body movement patterns and multi, multi-direction, you actually want volume in terms of weight or load, right? Uh, kind of pace, speed. 
and duration. Like those are big, big things. Like how long are you going to do it? How fast are you going to do it? And how heavy it is? Those really don't mean that much anymore because me doing a literally a rotational lunge, clean and jerk with a barbell is extremely challenging. Zero weight on that bar, zero weight. To decelerate that spin of that bar, to get the adductors to lengthen out. Like people are like, that's crazy, that's so dangerous. No, 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 I'm doing lightweight. It's like working out is dangerous if you go 200 pounds on day one on, on anything. So it's just, we have to follow our own, our, our, our own rules. So it's really more about every workout for us is full body. Why? Because every day in our lives is full body. We do not prescribe to back and buys chest and tri days. That is an antiquated way of thinking in terms of functional training. Bodybuilding, you better be doing that. Um, <laughs> so our volume is much, it's a, it's a much easier question. And so we measure our volume by, by more duration and complexity of movement. We don't want to be too com complicated because we're bringing in too many pieces into the joint puzzle and people just don't have the movement awareness to that. Like, you know, if I'm going to have you, if you can snowboard down the hill, that's pretty great. But now snowboard and do it do a half pipe. Oh gee, whoa, that's a lot of complexity. So that's how we measure our volume. I'm not trying to skirt your your answer, but it's much different. Our weights are pretty light mm -hmm. because we're having we're increasing our complexity, so our weights don't have to be heavy. And uh, this is the biggest thing I've ever learned about strength. My buddy, uh, he restores cars in high school. I was a bodybuilder. I looked good. I looked really good. Senior year, I looked really good. And I was arm wrestling him, and he crushed me every time. He looked puny. He had a farmer's tan, you know, nothing. But he crushed me every time because he was functionally strong and I was weightlifting strong because he knew how to torque wrenches and pull to loosen bolts and tighten bolts. I never did those motion patterns. That's arm mm -hmm. wrestling, mm -hmm. relatively speaking. So it's interesting, you know, you can be farm strong and look not very, not, not look very strong, but you can yeah. be bodybuilding strong, but really not be functionally strong whatsoever. So we totally. blend those, we blend those is what I want to say. Yeah. I mean, it's what we were talking about before. I'm like, I have been through phases where I'm like, oh, I'm really good at working out. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not right. good at anything else. <laughs> right. I, I can't go on a hike. <laughs> right. And it, it's true. We kind of laugh at it because if you take working out and make it a sport, you're going to be good at that sport. Stop making a workout a sport. Make the sports a sport. Yeah. And that's where I kind of feel CrossFit. It's like growing backwards. It's cool to watch. It's so awesome to watch these people do these awesome things, but they're making working out a sport. I don't know. Well, it's interesting because a lot of, I think a lot of people think of CrossFit as like as functional fitness, but from it's what you're step. saying, yeah, I'm going to call that your five D, but we're seven D. Okay. There we go. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, I love it. Well, yeah. I, I want to talk about business oh, please. a bit too, like as we get to the end of this. So first let's talk about like, so your journey with, with, with building your business, like what did that look like? Cause it seems like you guys have been in different stages and I, you probably had to, did you have to pivot a bit amidst all the quarantine stuff? Like what has it been yeah. like for you? building yeah, this. I think we pivoted. I think it's an official 14 different official pivots that we did. Oh, wow. I'm done with the pivots. I, I am, I'm being respectful. COVID is a real thing. I totally get it. You know, science, mm -hmm. you know, but like, man, it just, it takes it out of you. Every single male figure in my family owns their own business. Wow. At least, or at least it did for a point. So I just thought that's just it. Like I have to be a business owner. I didn't know the word entrepreneur. That wasn't really a big thing in the early nineties, you know, in, in a sense. You're, you're a small business owner. So I, I just knew that that's what I was going to do. I was kind of raised that way. You know, if you want to do something right, do it yourself, that kind of thing. So when I, when I just training conditioning, all trainers are essentially business owners, small business owners. Even if you work for a big box gym, you know, you're still your own business in a, in a sense, right? Just like someone who works for a skincare company, you know, they sell the product, but they still have to manage their own schedule, you know, so. So that was already always kind of bred into me. And I thought if you own your own business, you're therefore wealthy. I just thought that. 
I just, I really did. I was like, man, you're in your business. You got to be wealthy. And I, I realized that that's not even, that's, that's the opposite of truth. <laughs> I think that's actually a good belief to have. Yeah, it's a good belief to have. I like that. But yeah, you may own your schedule, but you're working harder, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, it was really awesome as I was building the business of Chimalzo inside of a big box gym. So I was actually growing business in an incubation center. I didn't have to pay for the light bill. I didn't lock the doors. I didn't pay for the janitorial staff. It was it was cool. I, I Seriously, it was really, really cool. But when we stepped out, and this is where my wonderful wife, Payton, comes into the story, it's nice, it's nice when you start dating a marketing and small business consultant. Helpful. Right? I mean, right? You know? Yeah. <laughs> So that's really cool because most trainers try to do both. And there's a point where you have to split. You have to, have to divide. So we're divided in, in a sense in, in hats that we wore from the very, very beginning. I learned a lot. I learned about, you know, like in fitness, it's a tough environment. It's low margin. You're not bank hours, right? You're working before banks are open. You work bank, after banks are closed. You're pushing, you're selling. Uh, you're trying not to burn out your, yourself. High energy. You're serving others. Sometimes people don't serve you back. And so it's really tough to make, to take fitness from a hobby job to a profession and to sustain that until you're 50s, 60s, right? You don't see very many 50, 60 year old trainers out there. So uh, that's what we're really trying to do. And we are doing it, but it takes a team. It really takes a team. You know, what do you want to take vacation? So we, we've worked really hard. Payton has really put into some places like this is how we're going to operate. We're going to pay salaries. We're not going to, you're not going to be independent contractor. You're going to be employee. You're going to have paid time off. We're going to have maternity leave. Mm. Like that's like, it's really really hard to do those things. And so the structure of it really, business is really about, you know, Peyton says this very, very well, my, my wife, all businesses are 80% the same. It's just the 20% of what they actually do. So that like that one little kind of analogy really kind of broke down the walls for me. It's like, wait a minute, how do I program for somebody? How do I change to get them results? Oh, it's the same principles, consistency, repetition, variety, awareness, savings account, like all these things, investments. How do you do all these different things? HR, how do you treat yourself? Probably treat other people the same way, you know? Uh, so it's really interesting how we've, have you built it? And I'm kind of saying surface level here a, a little bit, but it takes effort and you got to want it. You got to want cool. it. That's really interesting. I didn't realize you guys paid people's salary and stuff. I mean, I feel like in the coaching space, I think coaches in general, trainers are really undervalued and yeah, it's, it makes, it makes me really sad. I mean, I have a lot of trainers that come through like my business coaching program and mm-hmm. it's like, we got to flip the whole model on, on yeah. its head. And I can't even believe the hours that people are working. And I'm like, to me, it's just very interesting how people value things in their, in their minds. And it's like, yeah. You Keep you going. think yeah. that you think you should only pay your trainer sixty dollars an hour when they're probably one of the most important people on your health and wellness team. Yet you know you're like spending how much on alcohol every weekend, and you're like complaining if your trainer is a hundred dollars an hour. And it's like to me that's I mean priceless. You know I mean I just have a very different idea of value. You have to think about like. I mean, what is your health worth to you? And I feel like so many trainers are really underpaid. And I think that the way that what seems like the way that they're kind of taught, I don't really, I don't know if this is in all the programs or what, but whatever, but it seems like it's like their rates are so low and then it's like feeding this whole system and they're overworking and they get burnt out. And I think we all know that when we're fairly compensated, we show up better anyway. Right. So the way that, you know, my, my, passion until I retire the day I die my focus is to revolutionize to help revolutionize the fitness industry because right now we're we're kind of viewed as the used car salesman of the industry you know like no trust some are sleazy some are great you know they just get the bottom of the barrel but it's unfortunate that the healthcare system 
is really the sick care system. And I mean that in all respect. Our job, we are healthcare providers, but we're undereducated. We're unregulated and we're undercompensated. Why? Hmm. All right. We're undereducated because we think NASM and ACSM and ACE is the is gold standard. No, I'm sorry. That's good, but you got to go much bigger than that. Much bigger than that. And steps and stones. And I've gone through that same process. I thought I was good with my ISSA. No, I was. I was certifiably dangerous. I was certified because I was. I, I knew enough to hurt people. Mm. So you really got to think. Got to help people too. And also, our, it's, it, we're, we're really run by the insurance game. And I hate to say it like that, but we don't get compensated by insurance. I don't want to be compensated by insurance personally, but even physical therapists and doctors, insurance tells them how to practice because it tells them how they're going to bill. How they're going to get paid changes how they practice. So it's really a shame. I'm a big proponent of like health savings accounts. You know, as a small business owner, tax me more if I can help someone pay their their movement bill, their their health bill, you know, gyms and stuff like that. Um, so it's poor, it's lack of education, lack of awareness of actual health, and then lack of regulation. We're letting anybody in, and it's unfortunate. So a good trainer is just someone who has a good personality, unfortunately. Yeah. We need both. We need intelligence and personality. I take it from a guy who didn't get into grad school eight times. Sounds like dating. Is... You need intelligence and personality. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> both, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, so what do you... What are some of the most common mistakes you see like trainers making when they're building a business? Like how would somebody, if somebody's listening and thinking like, how do, how, how do I build something that's actually going to scale? Yeah, that's a good, so I'm always a big fan. You know, there are people out there who provide opportunities for trainers. You know, the 24 hour fitnesses, the big box, the higher trainers, you don't get paid that well. Good. You learn well then. If you're not going to get paid well, then you're going to learn. So I really recommend starting there. You know, you may have friends that you can go in on a boutique with. That's great. You know, that's, that's fine. But you need experience. You need to see the vast amount of people out there, the moms, the dads, the grandmas, the young athletes. You're training a, an, an athlete that literally doesn't have an off-season, doesn't have a health system, doesn't have a, a bus to drive them around from game to game or airplane. You know, they don't have massage therapists. And so you got to figure out how, how to make that happen. That's the, the biggest thing. Start there. That's, you can start many places, but that's where I'd rec- recommend. Get experience. Get, pe- get people underneath your belt. Um, second thing is you stop, stop focusing so much on the workout and focus more on the behavior of the person. Hard workouts are easy to make. Making someone throw up is easy. Making some sustain year after year, session after session, that's hard. How do you do that? It's in their heart and their soul. It's in their mind and their soul. That's what you're changing. You're not changing their bicep. You're changing their mind and their soul. How do you do that without freaking them out? How you talk to them, how you condition them, how you, you're a guide. That's all you are. You're an amazing, that's what a coach is. It's, it's a guide. And the last thing is you better stop thinking you figured it out. And this is what we spoke about beforehand. If you don't question everything that you do, then you should be a little bit freaked out. Be worried. You need to question why you're doing that curl, why you're doing that sit up, why you program that for that person on that time. If you don't have a good why, you need to change it. And if you don't even know the why behind that why, go learn more education. Mm-hmm. And if it makes you change how you do something, good for you. You're learning. If it reinforces what you're already doing, good for you. Keep doing it. But you have to continue to question respectfully what you're doing and what other people are doing. If you don't do that, then you're complacent. And that's not a bad thing, but it's a bad thing in the long term. Bad, short term, it's fine. Long long term, it's it's hurting. So that, amen, that'll, that'll be my that. thing. That'll be my thing. That'll be what, no, I'll, what I'll say. Those are great. I, I totally agree. And I think to me, it's like, if you're going to be a coach or guide people in this way, 
you have a responsibility to be a lifelong learner, you know, and there are always new things that we can discover and better ways to do things. And I think a lot of people, they just go through whatever their certification is and like, that's it. And you're missing out on a lot of opportunity to really, to really help people. I mean, it's same thing, like for me in the nutrition industry, like learning about all the different dietary approaches and all the different, you know, nutritional protocols. And a lot of people in my space would get very upset. Like, aren't you keto? No. Like, <laughs> like that that's one, method. that's yeah. one option, right? But there it's what you talked about with the bell curve, right? What about all these people that are the outliers, you know, because they're people too. So I think it's a really important point, but with the business side, you know, let's say somebody is, you know, doing that work to, to keep learning and they're getting a lot of experience. They're hitting a point where they're like, I'm not making a living really like I'm learning a lot, but like, how am I actually going to shift things so I can build a business? That really comes down to a community. You know, why do people want to join your sports team? If you're the captain of the team, if you're the coach of the team, then this really comes down to behavioral science now. So I'm going to remove physics, right? You know, this is behavioral science now. This is this is the piece of how you treat people. There's a great book out there, um, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Miserable title, amazing book. If you don't apply that in every single session of every single workout that you do, then you have room to grow. Now, it's not the only book, right? There's another book called strength finder and this is this is more of a personality test or enneagram anything like that you know like you got to know yourself because if you're a type a person then you're going to attract and coach people that are type a clients well the way that i look at that that's only about a quarter of the population so what about the other 75 percent well they're probably going to seek something a little bit different because it's a connection it's called personal right personal training so that you have to connect to your coach and you have to be able to not just connect to people they have to be able to connect to you so if you can't um, and i mean this appropriately shift your personality communication style to fit more people, then they're not going to stick with you because it's a it's a relationship. It's a community. So what we've done, and I wish this was like planned from the get-go, just the way that we've did it, is it's, this is a fun place to be. We have yeah. community. We have communication. We, we really dive in. We have social gatherings. We have 338 different clients right now, and that's after COVID stripped away 100 people. We still hang out. We still make time to engage because fitness is about the mind and the soul, right? Why do people want to look good because they want to feel good that's it how do you feel good we got to be around people that feel good too and uplift you and support you so what we've done very 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 well and still need to do better on is you need to create a community within your spot that's how you scale don't pay facebook ads right off the bat don't put instagram ads out there not yet let your people be your salespeople because good news passes it's slow i I know it is but it's the best stop focusing on marketing i totally agree yeah focus on quality 100 percent and like people that you get results, they're going to be your best, they're going to be it. your best advocates, you know? And, and at the end of the day, it's like, I mean, think about this logically. I'm always like, okay, if you see some random person on Instagram say, oh, you, you should buy this product. You might just think, oh, okay, interesting. But if your best friend tells you, oh my gosh, you have to get this product. I'm going to go buy it immediately. Right. Like, like, I don't a, even care what it is. It's a Right. Yeah. (laughs) So it's that loyalty, but yeah, community always. Well, okay. So I have two final questions. One is just in your own journey, like really being a pioneer in this space and creating something that other people really haven't and building such a successful business. What do you feel like is one of the biggest 
things you've learned about yourself in that process? Oh, today was even a learning day for myself. A little, a little backstory. I'm a stutterer. I'm a don't say anything, stay low, fought that all the way through grade school. I still mentally fight. I still hear myself doing it. The biggest thing that you have to learn about yourself is that you have to be proud of yourself. You're not perfect. Gosh, you know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an Enneagram type one. I'm a perfectionist <laughs> in a sense. So I don't do things because they're not good enough. All right, so I got that side of me. I got to be proud of yourself, but not too proud. <laughs> You know, you got to be too perfect, be good. So it's really, what I really mean is you have to understand yourself. So I'm a big fan of a lot of these personality tests. I'm not saying they're all true, but they all have truth in them. You have to start to understand who you are, how you tick. And once you can do that, you can start to put down your own guards. You can start to put, let yourself be. And that's a big piece of the puzzle. If you don't understand thyself, then you're really not going to really understand anyone else. And mm -hmm. when you're trying to coach somebody, that's a false sense to start from, um, or it's a, it's a, it's a gap. It's a hole. So I'm not saying I'm this guru on the top of a mountain by any means, but it's effort. And, uh, I, I hired a, a life coach. I really mm -hmm. did. And that life coach was with me from day one of gymnasio. And if he wasn't there, I, I would question where I'm at because he didn't teach me business. He didn't teach me training conditioning. He didn't teach me biomechanics. He taught me me mm -hmm. and that's powerful. So strength finder book, he gave that to me. That was one of the most powerful things. I, I started to align myself with who I am. I believed in myself because when you're putting yourself out there, there's a lot of no's. Gosh, yeah, you know, I saw I, I thrown sessions, zero people showed up. You just want to cry. I'd be honest yeah. with you. You just want to cry. You know, I put out courses, no one bought them. Mm -hmm. Bummer. How much work I put into that course? Hundreds of hours. Mm -hmm. Still zero people bought it. You know, I've done webinars, no one bought. What does that teach you about yourself? So that's been, I think that's been probably the most powerful things. Invest in you first before you start investing in anything else. Um, that's an ongoing process, right? That's, you know, that's, that's forever. Well, I'm, I'm glad you said that. I think a lot of times people don't realize that these high achieving business owners, they look up to and they want to build businesses like, like they have a support team, you know, and a lot of people just want to do it all themselves. And I have multiple coaches and mentors for a reason. And it's what you've said many times throughout this. It's like, get a coach, like work with somebody, like get the cheat sheet, have somebody reflect things back to you so you can learn more about yourself because right. that is really where the, the shift happens. You know, right. we all, we all know it. I'm going to have a financial advisor. I'm going to have a pastor. I'm going to have a dietitian. I'm like, same thing. Mm -hmm. You know, like we spend all this time on our physicality. When are we really focusing on our mentality and spirituality? Like, why is it going to see a therapist a bad thing? Like, oh, you must have a messed up relationship. You're going to go to see a therapist. No, you should see that. You should see them once a month. You know, mm -hmm. you see a massage therapist once a month. Why not see a therapist? You know, so like, I think we still, we don't trust it yet for some yeah. reason. So well, the same way we wait until we need to go to Yes. a doctor for the sickness yes. rather than yes. focus on preventative yes. wellness, right? right. Same thing. Yeah. Proactive so, health. Proactive. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. When I just want to ask, cause you brought it up when you were saying like, you know, I did the webinars, I did the courses, like no one bought, you know, going through that rejection phase. What was the thing that helped it shift into like, Oh, we have a flow now. Oh, we're, we're getting clients. Like what changed for you where things felt like they were finally picking up? You have to believe you have a transformational product. It brings transformation. You know what that is, you know, you define that, you know, we're not a Tesla, right? We're not, we're not changing the world of mobility and through electronic, you know, mm -hmm. cars. We're small potatoes in, in that sense, but we have a transformational product. I believe it. I, I, I believe it. I live, it. I've lived it. My coaches have lived it. Our entire business model has lived it. So now we're just, so it's just, really believing in yourself. And then the flow really started to happening when that first person believed in you. you Got to get one, right? Got to get one. And honestly, if you got to give it away for free, give it away for free. Yeah. You know, but choose your people wisely. But 
And then, and then if they, if they feel it, then, okay, cool. Now you got it. Mm -hmm. So that process right there is, is just like how you get any other client, right? The way we treat our clients in the facility is no different than the way we treat our business to business clients. That's what I love about principles, right? Truths are truths. They span across all spectrums, just our understanding of them. We have to be able to, to take them over. So if we treat our clients and we were successful this way, then our course should be no different. We reward them. We give them high fives. We give them shirts. We have socials. This is where our course started to take. You know, we, how do you do socials across the country? Uh, it's called Discord. Mm. Uh, you know, like there's ways of doing things, you know, yeah. um, send plaques, send boxes. We send welcome boxes. I, I don't want to give any, any, you know, you know, tips away or secrets <laughs> away from people that are joining our course, but we're going to reward you with a bunch of stuff. Yeah. We believe in you. So it's really, a, you, it's a grind, right? Anything takes a grind, but you've got to get that one person. If you can't find them, then you give it to them. Uh, that's, well, you know, yeah, I'm not saying that's the only way to do it, but yeah, you know, totally. Um, well, what I'm hearing is that it's self-belief because yeah. your beliefs First influence foremost. your reality. <laughs> First and foremost. Yeah, exactly. Like we all have our own truth, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so if you don't 100%. believe your own truth, then that's where you should start. But I, 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 I really mean it. Um, make a product that someone wants to buy. Yep. You know, um, that's hard. That's hard because you're going to make a product that you think someone wants to buy. So you've got to ask a lot of questions first. You gotta your market research. Yeah, do your research. <laughs> and change it as you go. If, yeah. if, you did, if you screw that up, we, we made a product first and then wanted people to buy the product. We did it backwards. But it was successful in our, in our town of San Luis Obispo. So we had something to go off of. But yeah, we're refining it. We're changing it. Be willing. Yeah, if you feel you're done, if you're course is done your program's done then wait a minute no 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 no. it's always changing it's yeah always changing. i don't Small i don't days. know who i heard this from but i forget who said this but it was like entrepreneurship is just a series of experiments and yeah. you're either committed oh, like to that. continuing to experiment or yeah. not you know it's like when you're a scientist and you, you keep experimenting you don't right. say oh that one didn't work so I'm not going to keep going, right? How, how do we get the light bulb, right? right. So I, I think that's so true. It's like you're either committed to it working and you're solution oriented, or there's a piece of you that's that's not committed to it working, you know, yeah. but it really is experimentation and adaptability and and consistency. Yeah, and, and an entrepreneur, our job is to get, is to find a way for someone to pay us to solve problems. That's kind of, you know, that your quote remind me of, of that mm -hmm. quote, you know, like we are problem solvers. Yeah. So we're trying to solve a problem for people. Genuinely, we're mm -hmm. trying to make the world a better place. Genuinely. Yeah. Okay. How do you make it easier? How do you make it more, you know, how do you connect that, that quick decision maker who just buys on emotion, but how do you connect to that person who just really analyzes every little detail? Yeah. Yeah. I know money's a part of it. It really is. But most people buy things and money's not like, that's a small deep detail. Yeah. That's a barrier. But I get it, but it's, it's a smaller true. detail. Well, and I think I know a lot of people are struggling with their business, but they can't answer that question of what problem do you solve? Yeah. And if you're not solving a problem, why would anybody yeah, why say yes? Ask, yeah. Be honest <laughs> with yourself. Be honest with yourself. Yeah. 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 What problem are you, are you solving? And the bigger the problem, the more money you're going to make. I'm sorry to say it, but it's the bigger the problem, the harder it is to solve. It takes more resources, take capital funding, got to go public, whatever the case is, you know, but yeah. So we're solving a really big problem called health care, but we're going to, I'm not going to be the only one doing it. I'm trying to, yeah. I'm trying to help other coaches solve it in their communities and vice versa. So, well, um, it's powerful work and it's important. And I'm sure this is giving everyone a lot to think about and to wrap this up, I have one more question. We like to do something on this podcast called the five minute favor. Do you know what a five minute favor is? 
I don't, I don't know. Well, it's a favor that only takes five minutes. So, okay. you know, I'm strict with my boundaries, but you know, at the podcast counter, we always say like, what's the five minute favor? Like if it takes me less than five minutes, happy to do it. If it's mm. a connection, you need a referral, I'm going to share something great, easy, got to be less than five minutes though. So this is your opportunity to ask for a five minute favor from the audience. So it could be, you know, sh- going and, you know, checking out your YouTube channel. It could be sharing a piece of your content. It could be, I don't know, it could be anything. Do you need a referral? Do you need somebody to do your social media? Like anything that would be helpful for you, your business, your, your mission. What's a five minute favor you could ask the people in the audience. That's pretty cool. Unfortunately, most of our podcasts and our YouTube videos are more than five minutes. But uh, <laughs> you can listen to the first five minutes. <laughs> I just listen to the first, the first, the first five minutes. Yeah, you know, so much of um, of uh, fitness, it's it's physical, right? You know, you can listen to something, you can hear, but you got to feel it. You got to feel it. So my five minute favor is to go to one of our YouTube videos and find something that that requires you or asks you or you can move and follow along and feel what it's like to move in three dimensions or to do a lunge or a squat something differently or to stretch your hamstrings in a different way and see what that does to your body. Not to your not to your previous educated mind, but your body. Okay. And that's what I asked. I love that. Easy. I'm going to do that after this. So I'll, I'll tell you how it and goes. Then, and then subscribe. <laughs> yeah. And then subscribe. <laughs> okay. I love it. I will absolutely do it. Well, this has been amazing. Can you just let everybody know where they can connect more with you and where to check out your, your different offerings? Yeah. So if you're, if your client wanted to work with us, gymnazo.com. If you're a coach wanting to learn with us, gymnazoedu.com, podcast, YouTube, 3D underscore athlete on Instagram. Those are a lot of options. So there we go. Uh, all the places we'll put those all in the show notes for everybody. And thank you again so much for coming on. I, I love chatting with you and oh, I have a lot to think well. about. <laughs> Good. Huge thank you to Michael for coming on the podcast and sharing so much incredible information. If you did enjoy this episode, be sure to take a screenshot and share it to social media and tag us at the podcast connector. We appreciate that so much. And if you think this would help somebody in your life, be sure to send the link over to them, spread the love, spread the knowledge. People always appreciate it when you send them cool information. And be sure to head to gymnazo.com to learn more from Michael and gymnazoedu.com if you are a coach, a trainer who is looking to really build your knowledge base and scale your business. That's going to be it for today's episode. Thanks again so much for listening in. I hope you have an incredible rest of your day and we will chat with you again next time. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode. Don't forget, if you want to get booked on amazing podcasts, or if you're a podcast host and you want to get connected with some incredible guests, head over to thepodcastconnector.com to learn more about our service. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to leave a rating and a review on iTunes. It truly means the world to us. And extra points if you take a screenshot and tag us on social media so that we can see that you're listening. Thanks again for tuning in. Have an amazing rest of your day, and we will chat with you again next episode.